Amen. Um, we're going to continue looking at the Lord's Prayer, coming close to the end of this study, if you like, um, the Lord's Prayer. So, hands up if you have been here for all of them. You guys got the full banquet. It's like, you know, when you go to a restaurant and you get to a buffet and then you get to the hot chips and they've run out. You think, oh man, where's the hot chips? You know, <laughs> like, you know, you guys who've been here and you've listened to the whole sermon and this is, you got the full banquet because it's hand in hand. I find that as we go through this study of the Lord's Prayer, every word that God taught us to pray and to put into that, to that place of, of, of prayer is actually very precise and very, very, very clean. You will notice that you can't go through the Lord's Prayer without having to really think on every word that you're speaking, without contemplating it. And so once again, we're going to go through some kind of a confrontation when we get to the line where it says, lead us not into temptation. And we know that every line that we've gone through in the Lord's Prayer has been confronting. There's something that we've got to kind of wrestle out before we go to the next line. For example, our Father. We've got to wrestle out His, his person. His person. Oh, I did all these P things. So this person, our Father, who art in heaven, His place. And you've got to know that God is a God that's outside of us, not amongst us like a man. Who art in heaven, holy is your name. His purity. And then we go through and we say, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. His purpose. His purpose. And then we go, give us this day, our daily bread. His provision. And then finally we get to this place where we say, lead us not into temptation. His protection. His protection. Lead us not into temptation. Some people don't understand that. They say, what do you mean, lead us not into temptation? I mean, does God really lead us into temptation? Well, the Bible tells us that God definitely does not lead us into temptation. The Bible says in James chapter 1, 13 to 14, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So then what do we mean when we say, lead me not into temptation? Lead me not into temptation. I know my God leads me beside still waters. In fact, I know that the presence of God is always still. In fact, when God performs, he expects stillness. He expects a calm the storm, and then God is activating his power. When he stands before the Red Sea, he desires that every heart is at peace while he, they await his protection. I know that. So I know God's not going to lead me into temptation. So what does the uh, prayer actually mean? It simply means this. It means this. Keep me from temptation because he's able. Keep me from temptation. And this is a very important thing if you understand human nature. And this is what I really want to look at today, this morning, about human nature and this thing about temptation. And I hope that I could set a lot of people free this morning once they actually understand what is temptation, what is the nature of temptation, what is it? 
Because, you know, when we say fall into temptation, oh, I fell into temptation, it doesn't actually make sense. We don't fall into temptation. We fall into sin. And yet temptation is already within us. And it's enticed. It's drawn. We don't fall into temptation. It's not quite accurate. We fall into sin, but temptation is around us. Wherever we're moving, wherever we're going, temptation is there. And because we are who we are, we need God's protection. Now, I want to talk to you a few things about temptation. I want to share with you four things why we, would all, we, we should be praying, Lord, keep me from temptation. Because one, we are prone to blindness. We are by nature prone to blindness. We would probably err on the side of a mistake than on the side of what's correct. And so we need God, God's help. We are prone to blindness because for a lot of reasons. For example, uh, my intellect doesn't allow me to fully understand everything. So when I argue a point, I could be in danger of actually being wrong because I'm not all knowledge like God is. So I've got to consider these things when I'm in, in temptation. I need to understand that I, by nature, am prone to blindness. When I was young and, and we lived in a, a house in the early stages of our life, there was a kitchen door that basically flapped both sides. You know, have you been those, seen those doors? It opens this way and it opens that way. I don't know how they designed this house because basically there's like a window which is high up. So you could see if someone's coming through, right? So you know, okay, I'll, I'll give way. I'll wait. But not when you're a young kid. Like when you're a young kid, you can't see. So you, you know how many times that when you want to go through the door, in your face? Unfortunately, like it's not my problem. It's not like I designed the door. And unfortunately, I was small and it's unfortunate that the window was high and there's absolutely nothing I could have done about it every time I wanted to go in and out other than probably say, hey, I'm coming through. Hey, anyone on the other side? And it's unfortunate. I was prone to getting every time I go through that door. I was prone. <laughs> no one's fault. I don't think my parents deliberately waited behind the door. Let's see. And I didn't go there saying, let's see if I can get smacked by the door. It's just what it was, right? But I was prone to that hit. So when I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm not all-knowing God like you are. I'm prone to blindness. What that means is I can't see around this corner. I'm, gonna about, I'm about to take a, a, a right, but I don't know What's on the right side? I can't see. I'm prone to this darkness, this shade that I can't get past, and I'm asking you to lead me not into temptation. I'm asking you to keep me away from that temptation. And that's why we pray it. We're basically saying, God, you are my protector. You are the one who's going to provide my security, my safety. Now this is what people don't understand. 
about temptation. And people don't understand our doctrine or our understanding of what it is to be free from sin because they don't fully study God's word with us. They don't come to church on every single sermon. You know, like for example, like I had a whole study on, on, on our father, right? And some of you like might sit down and think, I don't get, I don't understand that. I don't get, I don't understand. But that's because you weren't here for the first meal. You, like, you didn't understand it in context of everything else that we say. So when we say, for example, a Christian can live victoriously, holy, righteously, without sin, people don't understand it. But that's because they don't sit at the same table with us to kind of experience the whole meal. When a chef cooks something, every ingredient in that meal adds to the flavor that's the spurt in their mouth. You know, that little salt pinch and that little pepper contributed to the whole meal. And, and that meal made sense to the person who's eating it. But if you, if you get rid of the salt, you, you can walk out saying, I don't like that meal. Well, what, what kind of a chef is he? Like, um, uh, you know, is, should he really be a chef? But that's why we eat in the family of God. We eat in the same table. Every day we gather together to eat from the same banquet. What's good for us is good for the kids at Sunday school, the same message. So when we talk about sin and we say victory over sin, we have to understand for you to demonstrate your victorious walk, for you to glorify God, you must endure temptation. Now, enduring temptation is not like some surprise or like this like sin, oh my goodness, I've been tempted, I've sinned against God. No, Jesus was tempted and he was without sin. It's like having a barbecue. I invite you to my house and we have a barbecue. And I'm cooking the meat and I'm cooking it and I'm cooking it and, I'm, and it's, it's just, the, the, the smell is awesome. Once I'm done and I start to pack up and I clean everything up, I move away from the barbecue and that evening, before I go to bed, my wife says, do you have a shower? You smell like a barbecue. So the barbecue is well and gone, but the smell of that experience is still there. And that's temptation. It's like this. See, temptation leaves a foul taste in your mouth. So much so that that taste becomes so ugly that you feel like you're really disappointing God. This is how we feel by nature. We're prone towards that. Like a really disappointed God. How did you disappoint God? Oh, you know, I don't know. I felt a certain emotion and a certain thought flickered in my mind and, and it just like it's just made me feel yuck about myself. Okay, and what did you do with that thought? I said, Lord God, take it from me. And what did you do with that emotion? I, I, I brought it into subjection to the Spirit of God. So why do you feel yuck? Because that's what temptation does. Temptation makes you feel yuck because we are prone to discouragement. And subconsciously, if we don't understand this warfare that we are fighting, your temptation is not the sin, but what it draws you to do that turns your victory into a fall. What ought to be for you a glorious challenge of a demonstration of faith becomes for you a depiction of shame. 
And because the battle over your mind was won before the battle over your hands or your feet or your mouth. The battle had already been, your mind had already been taken captive to the fact that God hates that. God hates sin. And God loves the one who steps over temptation. And God loves that test or that trial that proves your faith. But he hates sin. So we're prone towards blindness because firstly, we don't know everything about everything. Look, I don't know tomorrow morning when I wake up, someone's going to say a certain thing. If I knew someone was going to say a certain thing about my personality or my character that morning, if I had that knowledge like God does who knows everything, I reckon I'd do okay because I'll be ready. But I don't know. So I asked the Lord, Lord, don't allow me to move or if something's heading towards me that's going to do any other thing then basically um, glorify your name. If it's going to pull me down, lead me not into temptation. Lead me not there. Keep it away from me. Now, I want to ask you a question. Does God do that? Does God do that? If you ask, does God do that? What's going on? What happened? When you find yourself in temptation, do you go, <gasps> how did I get here? God didn't hear my prayer. What's God? Does God hear your prayer? Lead me not into temptation. When you find yourself in temptation, is it like God didn't listen? What happened? This is why this prayer is very confronting. You can't say, Lead me not into temptation when in your heart you hold on to sin. It doesn't make sense. Like it's like, Lord, lead me not into temptation. And God's going, hang on, what's that in your hand? <laughs> like what are you hiding behind your back, mate? Like what do you want me to do? Lead you not into temptation and you're in the full grasp of it. Like you're actually consuming sin. Why do you keep praying, lead me not into temptation when you actually desire it? You know the funny thing is, ask yourself, why do you even pray lead me not into temptation? Why do you even pray it? Why do you ask God, Lord, lead me not into temptation? In fact, you don't even need to be a Christian to understand this concept, lead me not into temptation. Why do people not want to be led to temptation? The, the, the thing's awesome. <laughs> temptation is brilliant. The experience, the, 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 the feeling, isn't it? <laughs> it's arousing. It's enticing. Why are you praying, lead me not into temptation? Why are you praying it? Because I tell you why you're praying it. It's because we know intrinsically, as soon as we say temptation, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you know the danger lurks. And so some people, when they say, lead me not into temptation, purely because they know there's the danger that lurks. But in their heart, they desire sin. 
And when they, 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 they're worried about the danger and, and the worry, it's a self-preservation. They care about self. Though you don't have to be a Christian when there's a temptation of adultery to realize that adultery is going to slay you. You don't have to be a Christian to realize that the, the greed of money is going to kill you. And so we all say, oh, I don't want to go there, you know. But we keep biting, 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 and we keep eating, eating, eating. And there is the temptation in the full grip. And we're saying, Lord, lead me not into temptation. But in our hearts, we want it, we desire it, unless you love your God above all things. Unless the love of God is your first and foremost pursuit. Unless God is the greatest glory in your life. And to pursue him and have him is greater than any need and any desire that you want. Then you can say, Lord, lead me not into them. And then God hears you and God will listen. It's like a, an Indian boy who says, a, a, a brave, courageous young boy. He says, I am going through the valley of darkness, the pit of the snakes. And he makes his journey through this valley. And it's dark and it slithers with snakes. And he gets through this valley, this little brave boy, and he gets to the top of the valley on the other side feeling victorious because he proved his courage. And the experience on being at, at that top peak is extraordinary, just his fume with, the, with this, this, this experience of achievement. And as soon as he takes that step out of that, that edge, there's a, 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 a rustle in the, in the bush and there's a snake and the snake says, hey, hey, you look brave and strong. Can you help me? And the little Indian boy looks at it and says, I'm gonna hold, you're a snake. I've just gone through the whole valley. Because oh please, I'm dying here. All you gotta do is, is just give me your hand and just pull me out of this bush and just leave me on the edge. And the boy goes, no, I know you're kind. If I put my hand, you're gonna bite my hand. And the snake goes, no, I'm not gonna bite your hand. Just lift me up and put me there, I promise. I won't bite your hand. And the boy says, well, you know what? I've gone through the valley and the snake promises it won't bite my hand. It's not gonna take much and cost much just to pick up the snake and move it over like about a, 20 centimeters from the edge of the bush. So this brave boy felt so strong and so powerful that he thought, you know what? I'm a kind boy. He picks up the snake and no sooner does he pick up the snake, it slithers down his hand, down his body and wraps it itself around its leg, his leg and it plunges its fangs into his ankle and he kicks it off and he goes to the snake, you bit me, you, you, you bit me. He goes, what do you expect, I'm a snake. I'm a snake, what, you, what do you expect of my kind? I'm a snake. And sure enough, the temptation didn't re reveal itself that it's not gonna bite his hand. It was true, it didn't bite his hand. 
but it got him at the feet, the foundation, the very essence of his stand. And this is temptation. This is how it works. It lingers long till you extinguish it. It keeps pestering and pestering till it convinces you that it's safe. It doesn't let go of its voice. The voice is always there, sometimes loud, sometimes quiet, but the voice will always be there till you extinguish it. And as long as you don't extinguish it, it's going to have an attempt of just keep snapping, keep coming. Because it sees a hole or a crack or some kind of a, uh, an issue in your life and in your heart. And it waits for that opportunity where that crack is, is big enough to stick it and then tsh. And as long as you allow and you keep playing and you keep going, don't think that you're ever going to be set free from this sin, this sin. Temptation, on the other hand, you can quieten. You can make it quieter. Temptation can be loud at first, and it can be the most powerful thing that just drags your face consistently in the mud. And but when you realize, hang on, the, the, the power of God is greater than this temptation. You get up, and it pulls you back down. And then you get up, and you get up, and you learn to be strong, and you learn what God is teaching. And you finally get up, and that voice that was once so loud, so loud that you could not resist, becomes like this. And it's not as strong anymore. And you're walking out of the valley alive. And you're walking victorious. But the problem is, is that you haven't learned to fight. You haven't learned to diffuse, to extinguish that voice that was once so loud. Because the devil firstly attacked what you thought of yourself. You thought that I failed God. When you didn't fail God, it was just a barbecue smell, man. It was just a stain that was left on you because when we walk through this dirt... You know, we get stained. And you know temptation is like, a lot of barbecue illustrations, but you know, like when you're cooking this, this chunky, chunky, beautiful rump steak, and you smell it, and it looks so good, the juices are beaming out of it, and you take so much care to cook it well, because this is the experience, man. I'm going to make sure that if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it well. And the juices and all the fat are dripping off the steak. And you know that if you eat that, it's going to do something to your heart. You know. You know it's not good for you. You know that that isn't healthy for you. Yet, you keep sizzling it, you smell the aroma... And you just enjoy that experience, and that's sin. Sooner or later, and going back to my example, but if you shut down that lid and you walked away, you still have the smell of the barbecue, but you didn't eat it, guys. You understand? You didn't eat that big chunky thing. You left it alone. You closed the lid on it and you walked out. But because you still smell it, you feel like you failed God and the devil's won a victory. Because as soon as you feel like you failed God, what are you going to do? Oh, well. What do you do? Oh, well. Oh, well. I'm a disappointment anyway. I might as well just sin. 
I'm always about sin. And that's the characteristic of temptation. Temptation is going to be like glue and paint stuck to your hand. And every time you rub it off, you rub it off, it goes to the other side of your hand. And you're rubbing it off. And you have you tried to rub off uh, glue and paint and it's still stuck on here. And, and that's temptation. You understand? And you keep doing that. Don't, don't get discouraged. Keep washing it off. Keep fighting against it. Because sooner or later you're going to have clean hands. But if you say, oh, my, my hands are stained, and this is what, what my life is, like most Christians, then you expect it to fall no, sooner or later. Can one overcome the temptations in life? 100%. But can, can one live without temptation? No. As long as you live on this earth, you're always going to be tempted. I was going to say punished. Well, it is a kind of a punishment, you know, because, in the, you know, it's this torment, this consistent torment of being enticed, and, and we, we've got to consistently push through to overcome. When we get to heaven, that's gone. When we, got to, when we dwell in the kingdom of heaven, it's finished. But for now, we push and we shove and we try to get through. And as long as we live in this earth, you're always going to be tempted. You're always going to be tempted. There's a beautiful way that our Father ends. After He says, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Isn't that awesome? That's the way it ends. See, one day, your temptation are going to go. It's going to be quiet. In the kingdom, there's no temptation but if you hold on to your temptation and the sin, the sin still remains in your life, what do you say about the blood of Jesus who cleanses men from all sin? <laughs> Where is the testimony of the power of the cross in your life? Where is the resurrection that wages of sin is death, but you are resurrected because of Jesus Christ? For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. You know, Jude... Jude says the same thing. Listen to this. I'll read it out for you. Jude chapter 1, verse 24 to 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, to him who is able to keep you from the temptation's tricks and the temptation's grip, to him to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power. There's the Our Father right there, the end of Our Father. Both now, these simple, beautiful words that just, Baffles theologians. Both now, now, and forever. Oh, but no, we're always going to be in sin, like until he comes back. No, you're not. He's going to present you faultless both now, blameless now, and forever. 
See, the devil wants to tell people temptation, temptation. Oh, you know, he, he wants to equate temptation like it's, part, it's sin. If you're tempted, you've sinned. No. You know, one writer says this. There's a difference. One writer says this. What is temptation? Seduction to evil. Solicitation to wrong. That's, that's temptation. It stands distinguished from trial. Trials are tests. Seeks to discover the man's moral qualities and character. Temptation persuades you towards evil. It deludes that it may ruin. Temptation is to deceive. Trials are to undeceive. Trials are to get out of a wrong, to undo. Temptation is to bind and to tie and get you in a wrong. Trials aims at the man's good, making his conscious of his true moral self. Trials should prove to you that you are a man and a woman of God. That's what trials should do to you. Trials should show you the power of God in your life through faith. That's what trials should do for you. But when that becomes the essence of your fall, you've been tempted. And God didn't take you there. You were drawn from your own lusts, as James says. But to the person who his heart is set on him, the trial, the temptation, call it what you want. Everything works for good for me in the Lord. Everything. A woman walking past in bikinis, it's as though my house burnt down. Both are the same. They don't affect me. A guy walking with an alcohol bottle, and his child is in hospital, temptation, trial, what is it? The same. Because they all demonstrate and depict my character in Christ. I'll look at that bottle and say, it has no power over me. I was an alcoholic for 50 years. That demonstrates the power of God. Oh, but that's a temptation. Oh, but that's a trial. It doesn't really matter. For to God our Saviour, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. We are prone towards temptation because we are also very forgetful people. You know? No sooner will you hear this message, you'll walk out and you'll forget. And so you're left again. To remember, what, 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 how, do I, what, how do I do? How do I deal with that? What do I meant to do? And listen to what it says in Second Peter, chapter one, verse nine. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. The context of that is basically. Um, Peter saying to the church, listen, you've got faith, and on your faith, you've got to build knowledge. 
And on knowledge, you've got to build virtue. And, and on, on virtue, you've got to build self-control. And you've got to build your faith. You've got to build your faith. You've got to keep pushing and building and working and establishing and grounding your faith. You've got to keep doing this. Anyone who does not do this has forgotten, has forgotten that they were purged from their old sins. It's extraordinary. Like we're talking about losing salvation. Once saved, always saved. Like, I don't know. But what that tells me is if I'm not working and pushing and working and building and and establishing my faith, that I've actually forgotten that I was purged. I forgot. I forgot I was purged from my old sins. And then in James it tells us this. It says that for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straight away he forgets what manner of man he was. So James is talking about a person who basically listens to God's word. He looks himself in the face and in the mirror and he says, well, you know what? It's speaking to me. I know who I am. I know what I'm like. This is me. This is who I am. And as soon as the message is over and as soon as Sunday morning is done, you go off and you forget. You forget what God has actually just spoken to you about. Because we're forgetful people. And because we're forgetful, we're prone to temptation. But you know what these two scriptures have in common? They're the common thing between them, how they can resist temptation. That both of them requires you to be active. That's how you overcome temptation. Peter tells you you've got to build, build, build. On your faith, grow, grow, grow. If you don't do this, you're forgotten. James says you've got to do, do, do. Not just here, do, do, do. If you don't, you forget your face. So how do you overcome temptation? You've got to be active in your faith. You've got to consistently be working and wrestling and pushing forward with your faith. That's how you overcome temptation. That's how the voice of temptation becomes very quiet. And in your life, it, it becomes like this fly that flies around your face. But once, it was actually planting maggots in your head. But as you fought the fight and you kept working on it, it became a fly that just flies around your head. And the buzz of that was at first loud, and then it becomes very mild that you barely hear it. And you've overcome that sin because it's no longer drawing you. It's annoying. You kind of flap your hands in front of your face, to, but, it's, but it's gone. And you walk victorious and say, praise God, till... Another one comes. This one's bigger and bolder and blacker and hairier. But that's okay because you you fought that one. You fought that temptation. The same God, the same power, the same spirit will overcome this one. And and that could could be quicker. It's up to you. I mean, you could dominate that one like that because you've learned how to fight. It's up to you. But you don't want this to keep going again. And it's annoying because that makes you gain feel like I'm just unworthy, man. I've got flies flying around me, you know. But you do, you fight the fight and that becomes another one. And and another one, you silence them. You become the walking mortine. That's how we fight temptation. That's how we resist. When we pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, God keeps his side of the deal. He doesn't lead you into temptation. He keeps you away from it. But you need to learn how to fight 
And you need to know that if you hold it on to temptation, no sooner are you going to fall. This is, I want to finish with this. Listen, I want to finish with this. If you haven't settled in your heart and in your mind that every temptation and every sin that comes across your path cannot be dominated and overcome by the power of God with your submission to his Holy Spirit, you will forever remain in your sin. Do you understand? If you think to yourself that that's okay, I'm always going to be in sin and I'm always going to be in this place of flies, then according to your faith it will be. But if you believe the truth of God that he guarantees dominion, power and victory now and forever, then you can go and walk in victoriously, look at every temptation and say, you have no power over me. I'm guarded by the Lord who leads me not there and I'm guarded by the heart who pursues him and him alone. He's my protector. Let's bow our heads in prayer. While we're on this earth, we're always going to experience the, 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 the war of temptation that comes. But you can be free from its effects and its power, from its consequences, from its shame. I want to encourage you guys this morning, two things. One Temptation is not a sin. If you find yourself trapped to the voice of the enemy being lied to, that, oh well, give up, let go, and you listen to that voice, it will ensnare you. Temptation is not the sin, it's what you do. And secondly, there is no temptation that is more powerful than the power of of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Nothing. Whatever chain that temptation has got you in, it can be broken because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ. If you come now and you, you come before the Lord and you say, Lord God, this is, this is my temptation, this is my, my thing. Grant me the grace and the strength and the wisdom Receive of the Lord and believe by faith. Lead me not into temptation, Lord, and deliver me from evil. Deliver me from evil. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord God, for every person bowed before you. I, I pray, Lord God, that you would continue to reveal your truths to us, Lord God, through our lives with each other, Lord God, through day to day, Lord God, our interactions with one another, our sharing with each other that, Lord God, that we may encourage and exhort one another till the day you return. Teach us your ways and teach us your truth. Grant us the victory that you've proclaimed to all those who call upon your name. You say you shall deliver them. I pray, Lord God, for those who've come here for the first time, those who've been here for a long time, I pray that you would establish your truths in our lives, that we may walk in them Seeking you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.